This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hello, friends. It is season two, episode seven. And today I'm talking to Katie Page, who is the adoptive mother of two kids and foster mother of one, three kids all together. And she has an amazing story. Today, we listen really a lot and just learn from her story, which you may recognize because she has gone crazy viral. Her story with her kids has gone viral for one amazing reason that you will learn this episode. But it's not just about her story. It's about the lessons through the story. Adopting siblings and learning to attach to kids who may not be sticking around and all of the mistakes that are happening through it all, embracing that and seeing it as part of the journey. So I enjoyed talking to Katie, hearing more about her story, learning from her, and I know you will too. Here is season two, episode seven of the Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Katie Page, and Katie is the adoptive and foster mom of three kiddos. You may recognize her, you'd probably recognize her kids as the beautiful story of her children has gone viral, but that's not why she's here. She's here because she really has a beautiful view on this whole journey, and I wanted to share her with you so that we could learn and be inspired by her. So, hi Katie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks good. for having me. I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful that you're willing to talk today. I am excited for you to just share your story and your heart with our listeners. So we always like to start off by you just telling us about your family. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a single mom. We live in Colorado, but I'm an Alabama native. I just have been turned Colorado winter woman. Uh, it's a blizzard here today. So, or yesterday. Uh, so it's nice and snowy in spring here, but, um, we've been here about 10 years and about four years ago, I started my journey to become a foster mom and ended up adopting two children from foster care that ended up being siblings. Grayson, my oldest will be, he's two and a half, almost three in June. Hannah, his younger sister is one and a half. will turn two in June as well. And then we are also fostering their younger brother, who we call Jackson, who is eight months old. And we have two dogs, and I have a boyfriend, and my mom lives with me. So my house is always busy. <laughs> oh, wow. Your mom lives with you. So Just since that, December. Is that to serve you as a parent, or is that for you to serve her? Probably a little bit of both. Uh, more okay. so right now. Uh, she's been in and out through my foster care journey, kind of rescuing me at times. It, she comes in and out. Now she is, um, she had to sell her house. And so she had to move in with me for a while. So she's helping, but it's also helping her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's just start with the obvious, which is three that are three and under and as a single mom. So what, I mean, you said your mom, and I think that's really, really helpful to hear because I think that people can look and just say like, how does she do it? And straight away to know like, well, there's another person who's helping. And, but how do you survive? Maybe give me like heart theological, like mind survival tips. And then also just like practical life survival. Um, 
how is my heart and all of that? And so my mom's been here for a little bit of it. Um, I also have, she's almost actually about to move out, but I've had a live-in au pair for the last year, which has been really huge. God put that on my heart to kind of help me through this last year I, when I wasn't, I didn't even know I was getting a third. So I just needed that for two. Um, and then my mom came. So it's been challenging just kind of figuring out how do I protect my heart and, and find balance for me in all of it and with the kids? Because three under three, when they came to me, um, nobody was really walking. So um, it was new. I mean, Hannah had just turned one. So really none of my children actually walked when I got the third one or not successfully. So be like, why do you need a triple stroller? You could just deal with your double. Oh, wow. uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, That's scary. So just trying to figure out like, what do you need? How do you need it? How do you ask for help? That's probably been one of my biggest challenges. I kind of sunk at it at two children. Well, when I got three under three, I had to really put my pride aside, all the my drive and vision that I was going to be this killer mom of three under three and say, I need help. <laughs> and that's hard, but I've had some amazing friends step up and help me do that. That's awesome. Because my mom wasn't here till, till December. So Jackson was, you know, five months old at that point. So the first three months, the au pair can't even watch the baby. They can't watch an, an infant. So I had to have a friend who moved into my basement for three months and help with the baby. I also had a roommate at the time. I had lots of women. I had four adult women and three children under three in my home at one time. Uh, oh my gosh. So needless to say, I have help, but it's also where you struggle to go. Where's my me time to like reset because somebody yeah. always needs you. So I've had to, this is your, we're talking from my room, which is kind of my little haven that I put my desk in and my space and made a space that helps keep me centered so that I can have time for myself as I try to figure and juggle all of it. <laughs> Although my kids have now learned to knock uh, <laughs> that's that's their latest thing. <laughs> yep. Kind of cool. Okay. So, all right. So let's talk about just this journey then and what it's been like to, welcome children into your home who aren't just like these separate little entities. They have their stories and the people connected to them. And what does it look like for you to integrate not just the child into your family, but sort of the whole network that that child is connected to? Yeah, that's kind of a newer part of our story because when I started with Grayson, he wasn't my, he was my fifth foster child, I'll say. Um, but I, at that point, we didn't know where his mom was. And our story, if people don't know, like he was abandoned. And when I adopted him, it was just me and him. And we had no idea of any other family or whatnot. And now, then that was when- mom abandoned, did, did that mean that he was free right away for adoption? Or did you still have to go through like a year long TPR? We didn't go through a year. They, it was about at four months he was, it was uh, oh, wow. termination parental rights because, because she left him basically four yeah. hours after birth and just never came back. Yeah. So they did all the publishing. There was no one to go through. Uh, and so it was quicker. That's um, very quick. Yeah. And then, so we went through about 11 months till we got there. We had some other hiccups after termination, just getting through adoption, but we got there. And so... Then as our miracle, what is out in the press is that two weeks later, his baby sister unbeknowingly at that time came into our home. And so then things got challenging. I think um, what's probably not in the press a ton because it's a, it's a hard subject for me and it's one of how much do I share, well, but let's back up then before what I didn't lead with this, but 
your story has gone viral because you adopted this little boy and then just said yes to a foster placement, right? Yes. I, I was like done. I, not done. I wasn't done. I was done for a while. I had a special needs child, 11 months old. I kind of been through this rough journey. Our, our, we don't share a lot about our first four placements, but I had some rough times. I almost gave up. I literally was like, I just don't know that this is right for me. So yeah, once yeah. I finally got to adoption, I kind of felt like I can breathe. Okay, like we did we'll just it. take a right. break and, right. and then we'll come back. Cause I know I right. wasn't done. And I said to everybody, no, I'm good. I'm good. 18 months, you know, December. And this is, this is June basically. Um, and so I'm like, you know, we got half a year before we're going to think about that again. And then I even got calls about other babies and said, no, I was like, no, we're good. Really? We're good. So it wasn't like you were driven, like, oh, there's a need. I'll do it. It really, no, I actually surprisingly said no, because <laughs> I normally don't. Uh, I'm very, a yes. I like to say yes, but I had actually said no to other babies, but something felt different about this wow. one. And so, yeah. And I, I didn't know why I, I had those words came out of my mouth. Like, I called the roommate, the girl that was living with me. I called my mom and I'm like, I don't, I know I said no. I have no idea why, but God is telling me right now to say yes. And I know I sound freaking crazy. Um, Cause I'm not very big on God calling God situations at that point. I just wasn't there. I'd never felt that. And that moment I was like, I don't know why I, I really don't. Well, even and now you're myself. like living proof of that whole thing. Like, okay, yes. I have the voice of God. I am following. That's nuts. Wow. Yes. So it was crazy in that sense. So it was those first few weeks and months of trying to figure it all out was definitely different and challenging. As I tried to figure out, there was part of me that was dying to, to bond with their mother as I started to figure it out because I had been searching for her. I had been Googling. I had been dying to know who my child's mom was, both for him, for me, for medical, anything. I mean, I just, I, some people might not care to know who their kid's mom is. Um, I really had wanted to know. I wanted to know his story. And so then trying to meet her and wanting to tell her, but as things were kind of moved forward, I ended up learning scary history. Um, I would say in simplicity, the company she kept was very unsafe. And so much so that it, she revealed that she did not know in talking to me, she didn't know I was the mother of her son. She, she did not in all of our interaction personally enter. She may know today. I don't know, but in our personal interaction, she never knew that. And she revealed why she had abandoned him and she had protected him from a very scary situation. And it, at that point made me realize I can't even tell her. I can't tell her. I can't reveal this. Even though there was a part in me really wanting to connect and bond and see this future together, because at that time she was trying to kind of revive her life, make changes. So I was hopeful that there would be a future. She was trying to keep the baby girl, you know, we were trying to bond, but at the same time, there was this big thing in between saying, don't, don't cut it off, shut it off. So much so that my parents and my family, it got very dangerous. And it came to the point because they were siblings, but my adoption was closed. The law wouldn't recognize it. And so we were going to have to, I came to a point that I was going to have to either reveal it or let her go. And so it became very scary. My parents actually said, and my family said, send her back, give her back. Um, don't, you have to protect your son. But to me, and they had not met, my mom wasn't living with me. No one was with me. So they had not felt that bond to her. But I'm like, no, I mean, God brought her here for a reason. I can't just let her go. And so it was a very difficult time trying to bond and connect, but yet yeah. 
figure out the family dynamic. Um, and at the time there was another family um, who we now know and have met, but at the time we didn't know they were out of state and they had some of the other siblings and they were fighting to get her. And so it wasn't just a simple adoption. I was in a fight. I mean, not a fight, but I, if I wanted to keep her, I had some tough decisions to make and what that would look like. And so they were struggling because no one could tell the court. Everybody was on a basically a gag order. You couldn't say anything because my adoption was closed. And unless I revealed heard it, that before, like in New Jersey, because it's never happened. <laughs> it's like real, yeah, but it's, well, it's rare that it's sort of by mistake that the sibling is right. placed with you, but it's not rare for an, uh, an adoptive parent to adopt a child, have a closed adoption and then a sibling be placed, but still operate under the assumption that they're siblings. You know what and I mean? No, like that's normally wild. it would, but because it was closed and no one knew, and her name wasn't associated with the file, like she yeah. had false information, so the connection hadn't legally been made. Let and, me ask and, you then: How did you even know that they were siblings? There were just initially some of the things on. I started finding their names. The first name of the mom was she had given the right first name. Okay. So I thought it was unusual. It was an, an unusual enough name that I was like. Hmm. And then her bracelet had the, her birth date for each bio, for each mom of my children was one day off from each other. And I had always known she'd given something false. I just didn't know what I had tried to Google spelling differently. Like what could I figure out? So I, I was kind of like, well, maybe, maybe this is what's false. Like this is too similar. And so I just started to research, you know, God just put that intuition in my heart that something wasn't right. And so yeah. I started Googling and figuring out and started asking the case for like, how many children does she have? When was the last one born? Like, what can you tell me? Like, what can I get away with? Don't get yourself in trouble, but I'm telling right, you right, something right. doesn't feel right. And then when I did meet her, I got to ask, I'm like, how many children do you have? One more than the county knew about. How many boys? How many girls? Oh, it's a boy that's missing. Okay. So I'm like, the pieces just came. And, and honestly, once I saw her, if you see my children as babies, one is dark skin, Grayson, he's darker skin, dark brown, curly hair at the time. Hannah was, Hannah now um, has blonde hair, very pale, white, straight hair, very different. Well, their mother looked very much like Grayson. She's beautiful. Um, she just, she, if you've, saw her, you'd be like, she looks way more like your son than your daughter. Wow. So all of those things put together. And then eventually longer term down the road, I had to do DNA to prove it. I actually, the court didn't even order it. I, I was afraid I was going to get in trouble, but I'm like, I have to know if I'm going to make this decision. <laughs> I have to know. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. to do a test before I'm going to like do, you know, what, what, watch me do this and reveal this. And then they're not related. So I did eventually do DNA and confirm it. And eventually I did reveal it. She eventually over time disappeared and fell away. I learned more about them. I was able to learn about the dad and research and understand their history and, and get more background and feel more safe about revealing it. But it was a challenge. My family was really not interested in having any connection, any engagement, mm. shut it off, like mm. dangerous. So it was a challenge. And then now fast forward, most people now know I am fostering their brother. A baby boy, boy was born last July by surprise again. Call the day of, can you come pick him up from the hospital? And, and you knew that he was a sibling this time. We knew this time she'd yeah. given false information again, but the case where he almost went to another foster family, oh my figured it out last minute. She'd been a little closer wow. with her information this time. And so, but we knew as soon as I got to the hospital, this family was coming again. And I was like, 
oh no. I was like, no, I want this kid. Like I'm family too, you know? And so they placed him with me and because they're out of state and our journey has begun to continue. Um, and that's what I've been pretty private about mostly because it's their story in my, you know, it's, there's a lot of people involved with our story, but there is another um, relative family that w wanted placement. And so we had to figure out and kind of go through the process of what was right. And just this week, it looks as though, and I'm crossing my fingers, and I haven't even revealed it on social media because I'm just so nervous and sensitive about it because it's been a long journey. Um, but the judge ruled that he's going to stay with me. And so it does look like we're going to be able to adopt, which is a huge prayer answered. But at the same time, it's really hard because I also know you know, what that, that, what that would have felt like to me and what that feels like to this family to not get to have him. Cause we're all, you know, they have siblings. I have siblings. We're both highly connected to the children. Um, but I'm grateful that they seem to want to have a relationship and they committed to me that early. And I did the same, that no matter the outcome, this is going to get rough and awkward and weird for this. We will do what's right for the children and we will connect over them, but it was really awkward in between. Um, and we, we just had our first this week, like all the kids, everybody come together for like three oh, or four hours, yeah. play together. Uh, so we're on this journey of trying to figure it out. Um, and I'm super excited and blessed that they'll open to that door and that they'll open that. I don't know what further extended family might look like. I know they're connected to some of them because they are, um, they do have some biological connection um, as a relative, but yeah, challenging. It's really, it's a new challenge for us and it's yeah. so scary and it's so awkward and it's been a really rough road throughout to want to maintain a relationship, but also feel like privacy, security, and holding on to these children that, that are my kids and protecting them and keeping their relationship strong. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this, I have never experienced something like this um, and don't have kids with other kids in other homes and all of that. But just in sort of life things, I feel like one thing that God has been showing me is that sometimes fear can hold us back from making a decision because we're worried that we're going to make the wrong decision. But that is sort of life as a human, that we're not going to know the best or right way to do things usually, that the stumbling through and figuring out what it's supposed to look like is part of figuring out what it's supposed to look like. You know, there isn't that starting by arriving, but through the journey, you learn what it should look like. And that often the not doing anything is just as wrong or more wrong than the mistakes that might be made during the way. So I think that when we release ourselves from like, what does it, what if I mess this up? What if I make a mistake here? We, yeah, maybe we do, but what if we don't move forward in the first place? And then that in and of itself is the mistake that that in and of itself is, is what was wrong for us or our kids to begin with. So I'm, I can't imagine the struggling sort of that you're going through right now, but I feel confident that the struggle is part of the process of figuring out what it's supposed to look like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's part of it. I, I, you could see, I think in both um, these other parents and myself that once we got through and the judge made the decision, it was super hard and emotional for both, but it was like releasing because I think the mm -hmm. worst part was the up and two and, and wanting to bond, but, not real, like there was this wall between us until a decision got made about who was going to be the parent to the baby. 
Um, and now we get to enjoy it. And we just kind of, you know, they walked out and they're very God-based as well. They have a strong faith and they just, you know, this is what God has chosen mm-hmm. and we're going to make the best and we're going to be family. We're going to figure this out. We get to be aunt and uncle or whomever now. Right. It's not just we're not parents, but this is who we are. This is the relationship we do get to have. Yeah, so this is our crazy sort of, new family. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. You sort of hinted at this, but tell me as a foster mom, as an adoptive mom, and the answer might be the same for both, depending on sort of who you are, but what does it look like for attachment for you? Like, what is that process of letting your heart go and thinking of this child as yours or giving them your whole heart? What is for you as a foster and adoptive mom, what does that look like? Well, that's a hard one. <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that. Well, let me ask you this. Is the answer different for you when you know that they're yours forever? I, I would say, I wish I could say no. Um, I think I really struggled. And I think you would see it even today with Hannah. My attachment to her is different than it is with my boys. Because with Grayson, even though I really didn't know for sure, we, we thought that it was highly likely the mom wasn't coming back because there was no contact. So I think I felt pretty relieved and no matter what, I was kind of like, he deserves this. He's been left. He needs to be loved. And I I let go pretty hard with that one. And because of the challenges we were going through with my family saying I should give her up, I should let her go. All that up and down made it really challenging for me to bond with her. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm still working and trying to figure out how do I repair some of that? Because I do feel like it was different and I don't, you know, that was a circumstance I can give all these reasons why it would have happened. Uh, but that was, a, that was probably my most challenging relationship with other kids. I have others um, that I just fostered. Lucas is one of my best examples who I had when I got Grayson and I just went to his fourth birthday party. Oh, loved love him, it. adored him, but I always knew he was going home. Yeah, and so okay. I loved him, but I loved him in a way that knew it was temporary in that sense of like, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be, I was never going to be his, his mom, mom. Like he had a strong mom who loves him. But I also know that like my love for him will always be there. His grandma just told me, Mm -hmm. she goes, if anything ever happens, you're the first call we're making. I'm like, oh, I just, I love it. Like we're still connected, but that love is different than the love. I mean, I still love them all, but the love for my child, the one that I'm going to adopt is probably stronger. My love for little, for Jackson, it was easier because I don't know if it was easier probably somewhat my, my attorney said the case was good and our chances were high. So I think I was strong on it. And I also just worked a lot harder now knowing what had happened with Hannah to go, no, I'm not going to let my attachment issues get in the way and my fear get in the way of giving him what he needs. I'm going to try my best to overcome that and keep telling myself to live in the positive and live in the what's best for him. And no matter where he goes or what happens, I will always love him. And so I can see it. He's the first kid that calls me mama. Like he has the strongest attachment to me as a young baby. The others took longer or maybe they just developmentally weren't as close um, then, but at eight months, seven months, even he calls me mama. Like he knows it doesn't say dada. Like most kids do the first time. (laughs) So it's, it is different. I wish I could say it wasn't, but I think it's challenging. Yeah. I mean, and it is challenging and that's the thing we can't, you know, the I wishes and I should have done it to like this, nothing about this life, even though it's beautiful and I don't think it's plan B or nothing about this life is as it was supposed to be. So there is no right way of what it looks like to, you know, 
love a child completely and yet know that they're not yours forever or all of that. But I love what you hit on with, with your baby, which is that sort of acknowledging that there's cost in that full attachment. I'm going to throw it all in. And sometimes acknowledging the cost of giving the attachment means that we realize we have to hold back. So that's part of it. But I love just this, like love is costly. Attachment is costly because we're both giving something here that could be lost. Um, But then also getting to see the beautiful consequences of the sweet relationship with your son. So I have an eight-month-old, too. She doesn't say mama or daddy yet, but I'm, I'm ready for that. Right? I'm like, I didn't, none of them have done it before this, so I'm not even, Grayson probably didn't really get severe attachment. He was so delayed in everything that now at two, he's much more, and particularly when the third baby came along, he got a little bit more separation anxiety. Very, very late. And Jackson is even with people in the house that are around all the time, grandma, my boyfriend, the au pair, he sees mama and he starts screaming. I'm like, maybe I did something better this time. I don't know. And some of it's just development, I think, and how they do. Cause I would say I spoiled my grace in like crazy too. I spoiled them all, but um, <laughs> something's different and it's kind of fun to see it that you're, that I'm learning to attach and that I was successful at doing that, even though the fear was great that I've gotten better at kind of navigating those challenges and doing yeah. what's right for them more so than worrying about what's right for me. Yeah. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. There, I connect you to my guests. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. I love what you just said, which is you got better. I wanted to be good at this right away. I just think this is the most important job. And so I want to be great at it. And I want to know how to do it right away. But you can't arrive in, there's no like taking all the classes and reading all the books and listening to the podcast and knowing how to do it. Part of it is just growing and learning from the mistakes that you made and from each child sort of building this piece into you that that helps you grow as a mom. Yeah, it's definitely, it's changing me. It was a lot of working through my own issues and my own parenting issues in my past and working through that. So it's been, it's been quite the journey for sure. And yes, no class prepared me at all. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's like I do recruitment and stuff with the state and it's like, oh, the training, it'll get you ready. And you're like, nothing in the world can get you ready besides throwing you in, drowning and surviving and being like, okay, next time maybe I won't drown or I'll drown a little bit. And <laughs> yep. yeah, it's like part of it. All right, so tell me, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. This story went viral. I think I've had, you know, I've had our story go viral before too. And there is this strange line between I want to use my voice to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Uh, There are many children in foster care who can't have their face be the face of foster care. And so can my family sort of be this picture that inspires people and 
and gives people vision for foster care and adoption. What has it been like for you to be like a face of foster care and, but also just a mom with kids that you want to protect your kids and how have you sort of walked through that? It's gosh, I don't know that I've done it right or well. Um, we shared quite a bit on, I've always kind of been blogging about it, but just to my close friends more so I didn't have that many followers at all, not at all like today. So I've always kind of been sharing and been very sensitive about not sharing their faces and their names. Jackson's not even actually his bio name. Many people think it is, um, but it's not. It's, but it's the first name. Usually I just called them by like baby G or uh, little G, baby Z. I give them initials. So this is the first one I call by the name because that's what we call him, which was a new level of kind of security for me trying to move forward. But that's been challenging with the caseworkers too. And... Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, number one, it's been amazing to see what has come from it. The, the number of people that reach out that want to hear our story, that, that watch and follow us, send us love. I get messages still every day of new people reading our story. Um, I particularly love those of people who are foster moms, wanting to be foster families, trying to navigate. Some of them saying, oh, I've gone and signed up today. I'm going to do it. You're inspiring me. So those are killer. Like that keeps me going and trying to keep up with how to keep following, you know, people, um, it can be overwhelming though. Cause now it feels like this weight to like share and tell everybody wants to know they want to follow my kids. They want to know what happens with the baby. Uh, And like I said, I I start kind of sitting on this line of what am I going to say and how am I going to say it today is the first time I'm really talking about Jackson and the potential to be adopting him because it's sensitive and it's even highly more sensitive because it's another family. So I have to protect their privacy. Um, They also protect their children. Their children, even after adoption, don't put their faces on the media. My children are on there, whether I like it or not, it kind of went there. (laughs) Um, I don't think I'm not as scared. I should say that I'm not as scared about their safety at this point anymore. Some people ask me that I've learned enough about them that I'm not scared um, and we'll protect them. But I don't know. I think it's a challenge of not even just foster parents, just parents in general, like, how much is too much of sharing your kids? We weren't, you know, all their fun stuff, their mistakes, their crazy times and what it's going to look like and how you share it with that. Um, I heard somebody at a recent conference refresh and I wish I could remember her name. Oh, were you at refresh? I was at refresh. I got to speak in Kansas city. Oh, Oh, in Kansas city. Oh, okay. At that one. Yeah. There was a Seattle. There were a couple. Yeah. There's Seattle and Chicago. And I, I wasn't able to be at Seattle this year, but I have, in and I go to Chicago every year. Yeah, this was my first time. So I was super excited. Oh, cool. And I just got to kind of get input and they had one speaker up there that kind of gave me this like heart drop of like, man, and just talking about how we talk about adoption with our kids and our perspective and how we make them feel and what that felt like for her as a perspective and giving that perspective as a grown up now. And I was like, ah, am I doing this right? You know, what will they feel like in five years? when they realize in magazines and things like that, where they're everywhere, will they like it? I don't know. And I hope I've done it justice. And I hope that they feel we've done the right thing with it and find a balance, but I don't really know. And I hope that they'll share and know their story. I mean, needless of all of it, I really want them to know their story. If something should ever happen to me, I guess it's out there. They'll definitely know it. Um, But I want them to also have privacy of certain things and, and yeah. definitely protect the others around them. I, I struggle with it and I'm not sure of what that looks like yep. and how to balance. 
<laughs> I feel you. I feel you. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Like there is not a right way. There is no arriving and knowing exactly what it looks like. But part of it is trusting God for that and fighting for what's right, but then trusting him to fill in the gaps. But it's really beautiful how God has used your story just to inspire others. And it's, I love to get to watch that. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So you, Katie, what are you doing? What am I doing? Uh, figuring out social media for one. That's kind of my newest hobby is trying to figure it out and how to keep doing it and balance it with life. Um, trying to yeah. mostly figure out how to stay healthy because when all this went down, uh, it was winter here in Colorado. All of us got sick. So most of what I focus on is staying healthy, finding balance, figure out how to sleep. Praise the Lord. My child has finally figured out how to sleep through the night. We've had a lot of medical issues that were getting in the way. And just for the last week, seven days, we are sleeping through the night. (laughs) So I feel like we're finally sleeping, which is the biggest thing I needed. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that makes such a difference. You kind of don't realize it. I almost always have a baby in the house. So we just operate on survival. But then when they're sleeping, you're like, oh, yeah. I just like wake up ready for the day instead of wake up like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm waking again. It is a game changer for, for oh, your day to day. All right. What are you doing? I mean, what are you eating? Eating. Um, celery juice is my newest favorite. That is part of my getting well. Um, well I am I, not on board with that. <laughs> you're not? I just started. <laughs> I thought people were crazy and it t- tasted nasty. Now I need it. I it really makes me feel amazing in the morning. It's the way I start and it doesn't taste fantastic, but I feel great. And I feel like it's brushing out all that nasty stuff. I I honestly thought my friend that was living with us for three months was a health coach and she does that. She would bring her juicer and do all that. And I'm like, no, 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 not doing it. After she moved now, she's like, I told you so. (laughs) Cause I finally gave in and I'm trying it cause I got to be healthy and I can't. Yeah. Something had to change, but that, and then I mix in my chocolate. Chocolate is my absolute obsession. So don't worry. I'm never without chocolate. I'm not all healthy. So you have celery juice and chocolate, chocolate. in the same sitting. I feel like one might negate the other, but that might. Good. Oh, well. Do it. Yeah. All right. What are you reading? Uh, I wish I could say I was reading a ton. I've had for like three weeks, my next book on my list that I really want to read is Rachel Hollis's Girl Stop Apologizing, but it's sitting right next to me. I haven't read it yet. Um, hopefully soon. <laughs> I love <laughs> Cause it. I just don't spend a lot of time reading lately because I was trying yeah. to get sleep always. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely one of those things where I don't know if you like love to read naturally, but it just falls to the wayside when, when you're busy, but also when you're tired, because if I pull out a book, I'm falling asleep within a few minutes. Pretty much, pretty much. So now I do puzzles at night is my, my, I have a, on my iPad puzzles are like my obsession to go to sleep because at least I don't have to really pay too much attention. And when I get sleep, I just turn it off versus being somewhere in the midst of a chapter in a book and I need to keep going so that I'll, I'll just sleep when I need to sleep. That's funny. All right. What are you watching? I watch when I get a chance. Um, I usually am on Hulu watching, I like medical shows. Don't ask me why I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I watch The Resident, Grey's Anatomy, um, New Amsterdam, all these weird medical shows. And I have no idea why, because I am the most squeamish about needles and medicine. (laughs) But I think it's so far from my reality that it's a great check out. 
And then I squeeze in when I can, this is us, but it's harder because I know I'm going to get emotional when I want to watch it. I know. You have to be like prepared for it. It's a whole other level of watching something. (laughs) Yep. All right. What are you listening to? Worship music like crazy. I usually am big into both country and worship probably or two. And I probably usually listen more to country and then worship on Sundays. Worship has been overwhelming because it's just been a rough few months. And so Lauren Daigle's you say is like on repeat Sundays to just remind me like, you can do this. You can do this. God put you there. All these speeches I've been doing those. I am not meant for public speaking and all those. That's just not my norm. That's not where I come from. And so all this publicity shows, podcasts, any of it, I have to remind myself like, I gave you the voice. You can do this. You, you right. were worthy enough. You can, <laughs> you'll survive. Right. And he who called you will equip you. So he gave you the story and he gave you the calling. So true. I love that. Lauren Daigle. All right. So tell us where, tell my reader, my, let's start over. Sorry. Okay. So tell my listeners where they can find you if they want to keep up with you and your kids and your story. The best place is on my Instagram. That's the best. The I have multiple Instagram accounts. My public one is at Wood and Grace blog. All right. So we know where to follow you then. I am so grateful, Katie, that you were willing to share your story with us, share your heart with us. Um, open yourself so that as you learn, we can learn sort of along with you. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening. You are-